BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. (laughs) This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good morning, Birds fans. A now Tuesday get-together after a busy weekend for the Philadelphia Eagles, a prosperous weekend for the Philadelphia Eagles. We're here to continue that conversation. The Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald, uh, both more well-rested than we're, at, we're after the draft. <clears throat> Johnny putting in that many more hours than me, me in front of my computer screen. But Johnny Mac, I put that much more time in yesterday and went and checked the individual rounds and the team's overall drafts. And the more I look into it, the better the Philadelphia Eagles. I know. I know. It's annoying. It's annoying to me. Um, Yeah. uh, It's tough. It is tough to, uh, to complain about anything that went on from an Eagles perspective uh, throughout the entire draft. It, It really is. And, 
you know, I referenced that Peter Schrager reports yesterday about other GMs getting a little bit uh, uh, upset about all the praise Howard Roseman's getting. I'm like, why are you making it so damn easy for him then? I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what a lot of these teams are doing. All I can sort of boil it down to is, again, the, the, the longer leash how he has. He, he has a comfortability factor that most GMs don't have. You know, you and I disagree a little bit on Chicago. I've been hammering them in the offseason. And I'm thinking about it. You know, Ryan Poles can't trap Jalen Carter. Can't. You know, probably wanted to. I don't know that for a fact. But, you know, I'm trying to be open-minded. Probably can't. Probably doesn't feel comfortable enough to do it. Um, how he does. How he, so that's a big part of it. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, the SWIP deal, I, I kind of explained yesterday. Detroit put themselves in an obvious situation where they had to get rid of the guy. And you got to, you know, you're, you're, you're buying high and selling low on DeAndre Swift if you're Detroit. Um, they put themselves in that situation. They clearly identified it. Um, they had to move him. How he took advantage. You know, even if you talk about Arizona, Monty Osenford admitting he made a mistake to the NFL and how he's like, well, we want something. And he goes all the way from the bottom of the third round to the top of the third round. All right, let me, let me touch on each of those things because uh, they all bring up interesting questions. Cardinals, Monty Osenford. They supposedly self-reported that they went to Roger Goodell and said, oh, it just dawned on us now that we placed the call at a time we weren't really allowed to be able to talk to someone who was prepping for the Super Bowl. We're sorry, and if you think that we should actually pay a price for that, we certainly would be understanding because we were in the wrong. Yeah, that's exactly the way it went down. They self-reported. Please stop it. That and no one is buying that we crap. It's the same exact thing as the NCAA. Oh, they the the university has self-reported. No, you haven't. They've done an investigation on you. They've got facts against you. You're you're gonna pay a price, but do you just want to get out in front of this and say, Yeah, we did it? That's what please. They they Yeah, I get this. But here's here's how I take it, Jody. I'm not worried about the the mechanics of Monty Osenford sort of um self-reporting you're you're probably right on that aspect what what i'm more focused on is the eagles perspective who's the eagles assistant gm john ferrari they've got a couple of them but john ferrari alec halaby one of them were either those guys front and center when they went to the eagle draft well everybody was i think i was in the draft room at some point i i forgot i was so tired but they had 57 people in the draft room but um, yeah, John was in there, but, um, you know, his history, his, his background, director of football compliance, he's the football ops guy. He's the guy who knows all the rules inside yep. and out. That's how I look at it. The Eagles are, are, are famous for winning outside the margins. So they got this knucklehead out in Arizona. Doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Doesn't understand the rules and the rules are, are, you know, I get why people are focused on it in Philadelphia. I'm not talking about the Super Bowl. I'm talking about just the the mechanics of the the rule. If you interview the guy once, 
you were allowed to interview him between the Super Bowl, uh, at, between the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. You're allowed to, but they didn't interview him. They didn't have a first interview. You could only do second interviews. It's a dumb rule. You could only do second interviews. Um, because Monty got the job so late, he wasn't able to talk to him for the first interview early in the earlier open window. So therefore it was illegal until after the, by NFL standards until after the Super Bowl, And he did it anyway. Eagles know that a lot of people, I always go back to Billy Martin. You're a baseball guy way back in the George Brett game. I always, I've said to this day, they should have never overturned that even though it was a stupid rule, even though it was against the spirit of the rule, Billy Martin deserves credit for keeping that in his back pocket and looking at these stinking dumb rules of backward and forwards and pulling it out exactly when he needed it. I always thought, you know what? That's stinking impressive. Tip your hat to the guy, close the loophole after, and move on. Here's the same thing the NFL will do, I think. Stupid rule closed the loophole after Eagles took advantage of it. Just another example of winning outside the margins. And these guys, Monty Osenfort, Ryan, all these young GMs, they're out of their freaking league, man. They're out of their league. Right. And Howie and the Eagles have taken advantage from them. My point on uh, them uh, self-reporting was I just don't believe they self-reported. I believe the Eagles called them on the carpet. I think the Eagles got in uh, touch with whatever compliance officer from the NFL they needed to go, hey, we're pretty damn sure that they made a call that they weren't supposed to make. The league investigated. They copped to it and said, all right, well, now you got to work out a negotiation. And oh, by the way, Howie, when asked about it, well, that was a league decision. Stop it, Howie. He was yeah, I'm the one who asked him. I'm the one who asked him. And it said, you know, yeah, bull, bullshit. It says settlement. You settled. Exactly. With, with, with Arizona. Yeah, the Eagles took advantage. On that part, we agree with. I, I don't even care about self-reporting versus non-self-reporting. I care about them taking advantage of a knucklehead rookie general manager, which they tend to do. And hell, he takes advantage of general uh, veterans. Look at Mickey Loomis last year; he got John Robinson fired. How how he doesn't like this, by the way. He doesn't like when people point out that he fleeces people, but he does. He, he takes did. advantage of them. He did in this case, and you're right. I think their assistant general manager is probably the guy who did all the legwork to get that negotiation underway and called for by the NFL. Because Howie's got bigger fish to fry than who did Jonathan Gannon or didn't he have a telephone call during Super Bowl? <laughs> that, Zoom call. <laughs> okay. oh, sorry. That's, who cares? Well, I, it doesn't matter in the long run. Again, Jody, if people are saying he wasn't focused on the Super Bowl because the defense played crappy in the final 30 minutes. If if Bonnie Osenford got the job earlier, right? He had the first interview round with Jonathan Gannon. He could have talked to him. It wouldn't have been illegal. He could have talked to him between the championship game and the Super Bowl. Shane talked to the Colts between the Super Bowl and uh, between the championship game and the Super Bowl because he already had a first interview. It, it, nobody's unfocused. Nobody's not trying to win a game. I get everybody wants a scapegoat. Take your scapegoat. Have Enjoy it. 
it's a dumb rule the Eagles took advantage of because they have John Ferrari, who knows all these rules inside and out. And they said, hey, let's take advantage of Arizona. Exactly. That's what happened. Right. That's, what that's, happened. Why I'm, that's why I'm giving credit to the Eagles as an organization. Howie probably negotiated the swap of picks <laughs> in the third round. Um, so I'm sure he was involved in part of it. But unearthing it was probably someone else. So that's the entire Eagle organization. And congrats to them. And shame on the Cardinals for not knowing the rules and making an illegal phone call. And that's why it cost them that, 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 that pick, <laughs> those slots in the third round, which allowed the Eagles to take probably their starting safety this upcoming year in Brown. Um, you're right. The Detroit Lions shot themselves in the foot. How do you come out and say, well, he's still on the roster. DeAndre said, well, he's still on the roster. You're, you're alerting the entire world. Yeah, we're not going to be keeping this guy. And the fact that the Eagles were able to get him for a pick that they can't make for two years, <laughs> not a 2024 pick, a 2025 pick. Yeah, the Detroit general manager is just overmatched. Um, but I'll give polls at least this much credit in, in Chicago. They weren't picking them. You, you know, they weren't picking them. I know they weren't picking them. If they were going to pick them, they would have had the card to the podium in about 30 seconds. Oh yeah. And take it. So <laughs> to get anything at that point, well, now you're at not, you, you've got less than 10 minutes and there's a whole bunch of teams that when you say, are you interested in uh, the pick to take on? There just weren't that many teams that were willing to say yes. There were a whole bunch of teams that said, well, we're not going to take a chance at 10. He's still too risky at 10. Oh, no, the Eagles were ready. The Eagles were willing. And they didn't have to give up a, a big pick to get him, but they gave up a pick, which I'm telling you, Chicago probably did not have other picks to choose from. At that point, they, they know they're getting the player they want at 10. Uh, if it's with the Eagles, they waited against any other offers that they had. They wanted to stay put and take the player that they took at 10. I think they did okay. If they weren't taking a player, and I think it's pretty obvious that they weren't taking Carter, then just to drop down one slot and get a future pick for it is not a bad deal. I, 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 well, I you're making the best. I, I will agree in this far. You're making the best of a bad situation. Um, I wouldn't call it a bad situation, but a situation you don't well, you and I, you and I talked about, and you more so than me, to be honest, said, "Well, he's not getting by Chicago at nine, so the Eagles are going to have right. to move." But up. I, I don't have inside information. Oh, no, I know. I'm saying, they think I'm the saying, too big a risk or not. I'm saying, I don't believe. I didn't think that, he was getting past Seattle at five. Yeah. If if I, the Eagles had done enough work and said this is a a, a risk worth taking, and that was pretty well rumored a year then I figured that Seattle and, and Detroit and all the teams between uh, five and, and 10 would have come up with the same conclusion. Apparently none of them did. And the Eagles were. Yeah. Able to but why didn't they? That's my point. Why didn't they? They can't, they can't these young general men. I'm giving, I'm giving uh, Ryan Poles an, an out. Now you have more respect for him than I do. I've been harsh on him, but I will give him an out here because there is no way in a million years, do I think that Ryan Poles sits down there and says, you know what? I think the offensive tackle from Tennessee is better than Jalen Carter. There's no way. Now, I don't believe he can take him. I don't believe he can take him because of the situation he's in. He can't take that risk. So he made. that's when I say he made the best of a bad situation. That's what I'm talking about. Then I criticize him even more for taking right over Skaronsky, who's right down the road. 
um, and, yeah, and like, it takes like, them o- o- over over Skaronsky, who's, who's the far safer pick. If you're going to be safe, be safe. <laughs> you know, be safe. Skaronsky's the guy everybody's comparing to Zach Martin, and he's the safest pick in the draft. If you're going to be safe, be safe. You know, uh, and, and you know. So he made the best of a bad situation. He got an extra pick. He fall down a spot. You know, the Eagles wanted to make sure they got the player. He, he couldn't take the player. He couldn't take right. the player. Well, then let me ask you this. Did Howie Roseman overpay? No, because... Oh, of course he did. Wait a minute, wait, wait, John. You just said he couldn't take the player. If he couldn't take the player, then he's going to fall to the Eagles at 10. Why give up the draft pick? Well, the presumption is people are trying to trade up. Other people are trying to trade up for Jalen Carter. Whether that's true or not, and I'll find out eventually. Right, but don't don't you have to make that assumption at five, at six, at well, seven? Well, the Eagles were trying eight. to trade up. The Eagles were trying to trade up to five. They were trying to trade up higher than that. They were trying to trade up higher than that to get. I already know that they were right. trying to trade up higher to get Jalen Carter. They 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 also wanted Will Anderson, but you know that. That was out the the door very very early. They were trying to trade up to get a difference making pass rusher. Tyree Wilson, I'm not as sold on. I don't I don't know if he was in the equation because of the foot injury. But they were trying to trade up, and they were trying to trade up before nine. Uh, they were trying to get up higher. Um, they couldn't do it. Ultimately, they got to nine. And and again i don't know yet i'll know somewhere down the line when we get to talk to people off the record uh what exactly happened my assumption is and how he said it on the record he said you know basically we didn't want to worry about it and 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 we sent the extra pick to make sure to take the surprise out of so, it so so how he didn't know that ryan Poles couldn't take the player uh well, he knows Ryan Paul. I, I don't know. I guess I don't understand your question. He knows You're Ryan You're saying Pauls. you know Ryan Paul's couldn't take the player. Well, then if Howie knew that, why not just sit there at 10? Because he thinks somebody's trading up. He thinks somebody's trading into the spot. He knows Chicago's not taking him. If Chicago's taking him, they're taking him. They're just going to walk up and take him. He well, knows, we, by the way, they're on the phone. Agree on that. He, he knows when they're on the phone, they're not taking him. He's concerned about somebody else trading up. So he's offering him and he got them and he, and he got it for a, a song and a dance. That may be true. That may not be true. He said on the record, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to take a chance that somebody else was going to come up. Um, that's why he did it. I can't complain about what he gave up to the bears. The bears made the best of the bad situation. The bears have a young general manager, just as I talked about with Brad Holmes just as I talked about with Monty Osenfort, they're getting fleeced. They're getting schooled. They're getting, they are, they are, they are. Now he, uh, I come up short of calling it a master class, but uh, he did. He took advantage of other general managers. The Eagles is an organization. Now he's a centerpiece, but uh, I do want to share some of the congratulations to the entire Eagle organization. They had a phenomenal couple of days in the NFL draft. Guy who's been writing about it day in and day out, been reading all his stuff about the Eagles in the draft, is going to join us next. Tommy Lawler from EaglesBlitz.com. He's guest number one on this Tuesday, Birds 365. 
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Mac guys here on Birds 365. We are joined by longtime Eagle writer reporter Tommy Lawler. His website, Eagles Blitz, that's I G G L E S Blitz.com. Uh, he was all over this weekend, uh, giving the upside, the downside, yeah, much more upside to what the Eagles did during the draft. Howie Roseman did not miss uh, too many targets this weekend. Uh, it's been uh, great reading all weekend. I said, Tommy, we got to get you on so you can share all this with our viewers as well. Thank you very much for doing so. Are you A plus? It comes down to this simple question, grading Eagles draft. It's either an A or an A plus. So you're going all the way to A plus, or are you just going to go, well, I can't go too much over the top. I'll only give Howie Roseman an A. If you factor in DeAndre Swift, I think it's definitely an A plus. So yep. we'll, let's go that way. 
And you got to factor in DeAndre Swift. I mean, you know, it's funny when Jody mentioned it on the show. It's it, it, Adam Schefter, I think, was the first one to report it. I got the alert on my phone at the Novacare complex, and it was cut off. It just said DeAndre Swift. And I said, well, the Eagles got Swift. <laughs> so <laughs> I clicked on it. Eagles got Swift. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if you heard me, Tommy, going off about some of these young general managers, but Howie is taking advantage of them, man. Uh, I, you know, at what point do they see 215? maybe six one zero and they say ah, i don't know if i'm going to pick this up well part of it is is the situation the eagles are in and that allows howie to make yeah. moves from a position of strength so last year when chauncey gardner johnson is available for a late round pick he's able to make that pick and feel like okay he's coming into a locker room where the players will bring him in and they'll let him know the standard and they'll let him know what he needs to do. And Chauncey Gardner-Johnson did not have any issues during the season. You know, he had had a few issues in New Orleans. Uh, you look <clears> at uh, some of the general managers that, that passed on Jalen Carter, they're, they're dealing with teams that weren't good last year and they've got rosters that are a little more fragile. Do you want to bring a guy that's got the maturity problems Jalen Carter does in? And, and all of a sudden, the other thing, there'll be a lot of expectations there. Philadelphia, he comes in, he's not guaranteed to start. He's going to have to earn a starting role. And he'll have to answer to Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson. So he's got this veteran cast around him. And again, he comes in, there's no pressure on him. There'll be a lot of eyeballs, but nobody's looking at him as a savior. They're going to say, hey, Jordan Davis didn't start last year. We went to the freaking Super Bowl, All right? So you could be a backup this year and we can still be a good team. So it's a good situation that allows Howie to make the moves that he does. The other general managers are a little more desperate and can't take some of the chances he can. And you also have an owner who not only backs him and any move that he wants to make is willing to write checks like the check it took to get Jalen Hurts signed to his contract. That does make your job a lot easier. How he's got a great owner who he's got a great relationship, which allows him a lot of flexibility to do the stuff that he wants to do. All right. We mentioned DeAndre Swift comes here again. A future pick, two year down the road pick, they had to give up to get him, which is a stone cold steal, if you ask me. But the running back room has officially gotten a little crowded. They they bring back uh, Boston Scott. They've already got Kenny Gaywell. They acquire Rashad Penny, who puts up great <clears throat> numbers but just can't stay healthy. DeAndre Swift. Plus Trey Sermon, who at the owners' meetings this year, if you listen to the coach, it sounded like he was Canton-bound with how good he was in practice. That's five running backs, Tommy. I know the Eagles don't have a bell cow back. They don't want a bell cow back. They like the rotational aspect of the running back position. Too many? Uh, Are they going to make a move at running back? Or just, hey, bring all these guys in and let them fight for their handoffs? They're going to let them play. So this is running back by committee, right? There's not one guy that's going to have 250 carries, but we've got Penny who has not stayed healthy throughout his NFL career. Kenny Gainwell has been a role player in his NFL career. DeAndre Swift, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's played most of the games he's been in, but he's not been a guy that consistently got 20 carries. And then Boston Scott clearly is a role player. So they're going to have all these guys. They're going to let them compete. And Hey, listen, you don't know who's going to stay healthy through training camp. Who's going to stay healthy through preseason? Injuries do happen, so you need five running backs to find four, right? And so they're going to have these guys battle. And Trey Sermon, uh, they keep talking about how much they like him. 
and that's all that's great but actions do speak louder than words so if they were that high on him they would have just stayed put at running back but instead they went and got DeAndre Swift which tells you they like Trey Sermon they don't like him enough to say okay we're comfortable counting on you right yeah actions always speak louder than words Tommy as you mentioned last year it was uh, oh, we love Tay Gowan. We love Carrie Benson Jr. We love Mac McCain, even Zach McPherson. Um, and all of a sudden, James Bradbury shows up. So it tells you, even the year before with Steve Nelson, um, it tells you um, that you know some of that is lip service. But if I if I had to, if Tommy Lawler was a betting man, there's got to be a lead back. I don't even want to call it RB one or whatever. Got to go DeAndre Swift, odds on favorite, wouldn't you? So I think you do go Swift as, as the lead back. And I think Penny is a guy that's got a lot of value, but they're going to probably be trying to be smart with him because when he does play, he's so valuable. But Seattle, which loves to feed the ball to running backs, if they're giving a guy five carries, they're giving him 18 carries. If you can mix him in for 10 carries, 12 carries, protect his legs, protect his lower body, and – um, I, I think he's got real value in, in that sense. And uh, Swift is a guy that has, has been more uh, reliable and, and has stayed healthier, more durable. So that's a guy you probably feed the ball to more. But I think Penny's going to be important. And then we know Gainwell's their third down back. So all of those guys, I think, will have pretty clearly defined roles. And then Boston Scott will come out of his shell against the Giants two times a year. And, <laughs> you know, like a groundhog or something, he can go hide the rest of the year. Uh, and we'll just see what happens with Trey Sermon. Tommy, uh, 13 months ago, the Philadelphia Eagles had zero players on their roster from the University of Georgia. They now have six. They went from zero to six in 13 months. And if you're going to jump on a bandwagon, you might as well make it the two-time defending champion bandwagon because that's what Georgia's accomplished. But is six guys from one college and uh, most of them teammates, DeAndre Swift, a couple of years older. He might only know the, the two guys that they drafted from last year, not the three rookies they brought in this year. Is that a little bit too much bulldog overload? No, I don't think so. They're, they're getting good players at good value, right? If they were reaching and just taking Georgia players, because they said we want Georgia players. Yeah. That, then, then you'd have a point because they're not bringing in the best guys. Well, Jalen Carter was the best player at pick nine. Nolan Smith was the best player at pick 30. Keely Ringo was the best player at pick, uh, whatever it was, 78, 79. You know, it was like 104. They got oh, Kelly Ringo. Yeah. Right. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, 105. 105. Yeah. The, the, these guys were all good value at those spots, and they also fit the Eagle schemes, right? So they make sense. These are, these are good additions. Because it, it just so happens they went to Georgia together, but they all make sense. There's there's not anything being forced here. And as Howie Roseman joked around a, a few times this week, and he's a Florida guy, right? So he's he's hurting himself with his alma mater by bringing in all the Georgia guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were all fits. I'm, I mean, you're right, Tommy. I can't, you know, George had some, you know, Howie was asked, who's the scout um, for Georgia? And it's Phil Baia, who's, you know, highly regarded by the organization. And, you know, he's been promoted a bunch of times. Alan Walking as well. And, but Howie said, hey, it's Georgia. I mean, <laughs> that's not why they're good. They're good for other reasons. Right. And, he, and he told the story of when he was down there, Nick Sirianni. Hey, who'd you like on defense? Everybody. 
I I mean, it's not hard to see these guys are good players. Carter had the uh, maturity issues, as you mentioned. Ringo has a shoulder issue. That's the reason he fell a little bit from talking to people around the league. Um, but he was a bridge talent. You know, a lot of people had him late first round, early second round. And Nolan Smith, Eagles would have taken him at 10 if Carter wasn't there. I believe that. They probably would have tried to trade down a little bit um, to 14, 15, somewhere in that range. But they thought really, really highly of, of Nolan Smith. Uh, you know, but I will say the Alabama guys, if we go to this little cluster, right? It started with the Alabama guys, Devontae Smith and Landon Dickerson. Those guys are already stars. Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, we haven't seen it yet. We've seen a couple nice little developments. N'Kobe got it, looked very instinctive and, and very limited snaps. Jordan Davis looked like he was coming on before the injury. And now we have the group this year. There's still promise, not, not certainty. There's certainty with Devontae Smith and Landon Dickerson. Um, any, any possible, we've been putting too much sweetener in the coffee this morning. Eagles are great. Eagles are great. Eagles are great. From the evaluation standpoint, any concern, any of these guys doesn't live up to the build billing long-term history tells us that they're not all going to live up to it. Right. I mean, the, the NFL draft is about failure. Uh, most picks don't pan out the way you hope. Right. For those guys that, that do, you know, we all look at Aaron Donald, undersized defensive tackle. Why didn't everybody draft him? Well, undersized defensive tackles mostly don't pan out. So we, we don't we, we tend to look at the anomaly and say, oh, well, that's why don't more people do that? It's because the 50 guys before him didn't pan out. Yeah. Tom Brady, pick 199, Hall of Fame career. How come the 198 picks before that he didn't go? Well, you know, quarterbacks, you know, they, they, he just didn't jump out to people he wasn't a dominant player at michigan it wasn't a special player he became special in the nfl so a lot of draft picks are going to fail right we we know we've seen jalen rager and jj arthiga Whiteside, and on and on and on and all these guys had great college careers they, they weren't drafted high by the eagles like and people said oh my god who are these guys they were stars in college and yeah. so there's risk with every draft pick you take i think the eagles made smart risk because carter has, he was the most talented player in the draft. There's no question. I agree with you. He, he just had the issues, and that's what dropped him to nine. Nolan Smith was an incredibly talented player. He fell because he's he's got that awkward size at 6'2", 240. We saw him fall, and then we saw a Nick Herbig from Wisconsin fell from a possible second-round pick down to the fourth round. Same size. The NFL wants guys that are 250, 260 as pass rushers. Guys that are 240 pounds, they're not as keen on so if you don't have the Eagles take you, then you might go for a little bit of a slide. Um, yeah, I like the – sorry, Tommy. I jumped in. Go ahead. Finish, please. I was just going to say that there's risk with all these guys. There's no guarantees on anybody. But are they smart risk that feel like there's a, a good likelihood to succeed? I would say yes. 
I like the fact that the Herbig brothers ended up together in Pittsburgh, uh, following in the Watt footsteps. Uh, we, I, got my, I was a Herbig fan. I, I knew as soon as the Eagles took Smith, then there was no chance they were taking Herbig because they're similar type players. The Eagles got the better of the two, uh, but uh, <clears> I'm, <throat> a, a, I'm a fan of both of the two Herbigs. I, um, Sidney Brown, third round pick. Uh, I think value there as well, how he got value with every single pick that he made. But he's a rookie. And last year, you had N'Kobe Dean, who was a third-round pick, and he just couldn't get on the field. And Jonathan Gannon kept saying, why would I take Kaiser White or uh, Edwards off the field when all they do is their job on every single play? All right, I get it. But you're also trying to develop your young player. And as John just said, we don't know what Nicobe Dean's going to be. We hope, we think, we project, but we don't know because we didn't see it. The one game he did play in, decent number of snaps, he actually made six tackles in a short period of time. And I could go back in, in 2020 hindsight, critique Jonathan Gannon. You couldn't get him on the field more often. The Eagles had some blowout wins last year that he could have gotten some snaps, but they didn't. Here's my question on Brown this year. Can he jump right in and start week one? Will the Eagles give him that availability? New DC, but the same head coach. Uh, is he going to have to flat out outplay the safeties who have more experience than him? Is it going to be a wide open competition? May the best man win resume uh, to the side. How, how much do you think Sidney Brown can contribute for the Eagles week one of this upcoming season? Well, I think every coach's responsibility is to put the best players on the field. And so you don't just say, oh, you're a third-round pick and uh, Reed Blankenship, you're an undrafted player, so we're going to play the third-round pick. You say, hey, who's the better player? Now, if the Eagles were coming off a two-win season and had a marginal roster, then maybe say, you know what, we're going to keep one eye on the future. Let's get the guys we believe in long-term out there to play. The Eagles, clearly, they're coming off a Super Bowl performance. Uh, so they want to compete. They want They need the best players on the field. And if Sidney Brown could be one of those players, if you think about um, uh, the best safeties in, in the Eagles in the last 30 years, obviously the first guy is Brian Dawkins. And Brian was a terrific player, but he also was a very emotional, fiery guy that brought a real presence to the field. Uh, you call him a tone setter. The next safety that you think of would be Malcolm Jenkins a fiery leader with some emotion. And again, you call him a tone setter. That's Sidney Brown. You know, you watch that dude play and his hair is on fire, hundred miles an hour, the whole game. He will run through a brick wall. If you thought it would, would help the, the team. And I think the energy and the juice he's going to bring to the field, that stuff can be infectious. So I think he's a guy that the coaches are going to love. I think there's a good chance that he gets on the field right away. Uh, you know, he's got to earn it. But when you watch the, what he did last year, six interceptions for Illinois, <clears throat> goes to the senior bowl, plays well, has a phenomenal combine. I mean, the guy runs four four seven, jumps 40 inches. So the physical abilities there, uh, obviously a smart guy, played in a quality defense at Illinois, made plays. He's, he's the complete package. The only, the only reason he lasted as long as he did, he's not as big as some people would like. At 5'10", 211, he's got the thickness but people might like a little bit more length. And that's one of the reasons I wasn't sure if the Eagles would go for him, but they obviously, they look, you know, how we talked about him being a red star player. They yeah. think he's going to be a leader and a presence on and off the field. So this is an interesting guy. And I think he definitely has a chance to start as a rookie. 
Yeah, you mentioned how he broke out that red star player. Everybody knows blue chip, red uh, uh, red flag, but they don't know red star. To my knowledge, that's the first time he's talked about it. Um, first time I've heard it. Yeah. Um, and basically, it's it's from what from his description, Tommy, it's what you kind of described. It's the intangibles. So we asked him, how many people are, how many red stars he got in a given year? And he said about 10. They're not always first round picks. They could be seventh round picks. Uh, but he described them as passion players for the organization. And and Brown is one of them. So that was kind of eye-opening. Um, and, I, and I do think they want to get him on the field. And, I, you know, I was thinking about this overnight because Jody and I were talking about it. there's one glaring just, weakness on this team and it's all ball linebacker and they didn't address it um they don't seem to care about it and for the most part it's a devalued position for the most part i agree with them same with running back um but they pay attention to running back you know they pick up swift they try to get you know rashad penny back and going in the right direction at linebacker it's nicholas morrow who they didn't pay one cent of guaranteed money to. (laughs) And I'm starting to think, and there's still plenty of time, you know, May 1st came and now nobody counts against the compact formula. So if there's a veteran linebacker, he doesn't have to worry about that. He can bring him in. Um, June 1st cuts are coming up. We know with CJ Gardner Johnson, there could be a trade and training camp. But if they got to go to war with what they have now, I'm starting to think you're going to see a lot of big nickel, a lot of Sidney Brown, a lot of Reed Blankenship, a lot of Terrell Edmonds on the field at the same time in obvious passing situations. Your thoughts? That's possible. Edmonds is, you know, 6'1, 217, I think, is his measurements. So if you played him down in that linebacker role, that's somewhere he'd be comfortable with. And put Brown and Blankenship on the back end of the defense. You could do something like that. Uh, I think one of the problems with linebacker this year, there just weren't good uh, people. Don't tell that to Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. I stand corrected. Uh, You know, I I was shocked that they, they didn't make more of a push to keep TJ Edwards. But then, you know, he didn't exactly line it up in a Super Bowl, Right. So, you sit there and you say, was he an ideal long-term fit at the money they were going to pay for him? Or could they find somebody better? And they may have felt like, listen, we, you know, we don't want to invest that money in him. He's a good player. We loved him, but we loved him cheap. We didn't love him at that price. And the draft was just weak for linebackers. People would say, Hey, who do, who do you want the Eagles to take? And I'm like, just not a lot of guys, right? Jack Campbell was far and away the best linebacker and he went way early. Yeah. Uh, so they just wasn't a good group. Uh, there are going to be some guys available. We saw yesterday the Ravens didn't uh, do the fifth-year option for Patrick Queen, so possibly he's available in a trade. There's going to be some players, you know, some some linebackers going to emerge for some team and maybe make a veteran expendable. So how you'll keep looking around, I, I, well, there's no question they don't value linebacker like they do other positions. But again, one of the reasons they didn't do much on it this year, there just weren't good options and there wasn't a whole lot in free agency there wasn't a whole lot in the draft so they just didn't have much to work with and uh georgia does have a good linebacker that's probably going to be draft eligible this coming upcoming year maybe maybe we're not taking them they're not (laughs) maybe in the third round 
that will that'll calls. be the test. Of, you know, yeah. do, they, do they do they spend a high pick on a Georgia linebacker? Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But I, right. do think, I do think Nick Morrow, you know, is better than some people think. Is he a good player? No. Let's not let's not sugarcoat. He's not a good player. But the Eagles wouldn't have signed if they didn't think he could at least be an effective starter. And I think he can do that. Uh, if you play him in the middle, he's not as good. Play him on the weak side, and he's a little bit more comfortable when he's out in space. If the Eagles are going to be using six or seven defensive backs uh, for certain sets this year, Jordan Davis better be eating up three blockers uh, because <laughs> you're going to need to spring some of those guys to get clean to running backs rather than block encumbered. So, again, I think they're underestimating uh, linebacker and Got it written down right here on my show sheet, Patrick Queen here today. <laughs> I like the guy a lot. I liked him in the draft a couple of years ago. Last year, he had over 100 tackles. He had five sacks for the Ravens. Now, I get it why they didn't pick up the option. I'm moving $12 million. And in case you hadn't noticed, no one's paying linebackers $12 million in the National Football League. It just doesn't exist. We can question the Eagles about the way they use and value linebacker all we want. The whole league is trending in that direction, except well, for the Chicago I, Bears. Um, I, I got to disagree with you now. Go the ahead. Ravens, the Ravens, the Ravens brought in Roquan Smith, and they're paying him eighteen million dollars a year. Yeah. Well, so, and the Bears. Well, then, paid, then did you, you think know, they, there was a prayer that Patrick Queen was getting twelve? If they're <laughs> paying a, Roquan that, do you think they're going to pay Patrick Queen twelve on top of that? No, no, no. So that's my point: is that the teams will pay. They're not going to pay two linebackers, right? No. So Patrick no. Queen became expendable because he wasn't as good as Roquan Smith, who they and obviously they they saw Patrick Queen as a solid starter, but not a guy that they felt like wanted they wanted to build their defense around. Roquan Smith, they felt like it's a guy they could build their defense around. Yeah. So it's, well, the it's, Bears it's played two again. I'm picking on the Bears, Tom. They paid two <laughs> knuckleheads. Um, well, that's Matt Eberflus. Well, if you look at his defense, right. they, they, they need. CJ Edwards didn't get what Patrick Queen money was supposed to be. He didn't get no. twelve, John. Well, he got six, six and a half. Right. Yeah. yeah, right, right. But that's a lot for a second linebacker. That is a lot for not, a second. Not linebacker. the twelve that Patrick Queen was scheduled to make, and that's why they didn't pick up the option for the fifth year because they would have been in thirty million. No, well, and that's why the Ravens are generally a smarter organization. They've taken some hits because of what went on with uh, Lamar, but uh, obviously that worked out in the end. I will say this about Nicholas Morrow, Tommy, and this concerns me. Not that all contracts are the be-all, end-all, but not one red cent of guaranteed money for a veteran player. That scares the living you-know-what out of me. I mean, people would talk about Rashad Penny. They gave him six hundred grand guaranteed. And you can just move on, right? We were saying that, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, just move on. They didn't give Nicholas Morrow a penny of guaranteed money. And so that and scares the, me. And you Judge right. The thing, he... the thing about Morrow is he played every defensive snap for the Bears. At least Penny, you understand why they were able to get him done without giving him much guaranteed money because he's always missing games. Morrow plays every snap and he couldn't get one guaranteed dollar. John's exactly right. It tells you the rest of the National Football League where, like, yeah, no, we'll be going somewhere else at linebacker. And the Eagles kind of said, can we get him that cheap? Then, yeah, we'll give him a contract. Uh, it doesn't doesn't bode confidence coming into the season. I'm with John 100% on this one. No, so you, you talked about how he taking advantage of other general managers. Yeah, well, well that's true. That's here's true. a case of how he taking advantage of a player. 
So he sits there and he sees there's 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 no market for Nick Morrow, right? Teams are not yeah. making offers to him. So Howie says, Hey, listen, here's what we'll pay you. We're not gonna give you money. That <laughs> gives Howie the flexibility that if Patrick Queen does become available, Howie goes and trades for Patrick Queen, he can cut Nick Morrow or he could keep Nick Morrow as a backup. And yeah. he, and and he doesn't he's not paying him a lot of money and he's got no money invested in him in terms of a bonus. So if they did cut him, they did move on from him, they don't lose anything. So it's how we trying to take advantage of a situation saying there's a player. We don't love him. They're not going to tell you they love him. They know what his issues are, but they say, Hey, this guy could be effective. And he gives us flexibility that if, if the, another player does come available, we can make a move. And, you know, we don't have to undo this move we've done with him. Like I'm telling you how we just didn't have great options. He tried to make the best of a bad situation and he's hoping to see is something else available. And really, this is kind of a Ravens type move. The Ravens have, have been a great organization over the years because they've always been patient. If they didn't see a player that they wanted to go after, rather than sign the next guy, put him in and say, all right, well, we'll marry somebody we don't really don't love. They would say, we're just going to wait. And if we don't find that guy before the season or even during the season, we're willing to go with the young guys we have on our roster. They may not be ideal, but they'll be effective and we'll find a solution we do believe in in the future. And it's a little bit of, you know, you're sitting there playing poker, right? You you got to be yeah. willing to, to lose and how he's taking that chance. So we'll see if somebody coughs up a linebacker in the next couple of months. If not, it could be Morrow and Dean. Yeah. Um, at Lawler NFL, make sure you follow Tommy on Twitter. I'll end it here. Eagles Blitz, I-G-G-L-E-S, uh, blitz.com. You can read Tommy there. Did a tremendous job on all this draft stuff. Um, the quarterback factory, baby, day three. <laughs> and they went throwback. They got a throwback line. I, I think a lot of people, Tommy, were uber-focused on you know, the Eagles got Marcus Mariota to be the backup so they don't have to change the offense. I don't think it was about that. I think they just liked a veteran guy. Nick Sirianni is always – and I tell Jody, Nick Sirianni can't stop talking about Philip Rivers, loves the guy. <laughs> right. uh, he can't move at all. Um, Tanner McKee is a six foot six old-school pocket passer, um, very different – from even Ian Book, the current developmental prospect who can do a little read options, zone read stuff as well, some mobility. Um, did it surprise you that they did the 180 and brought in the big strong arm pocket passer? I, I was surprised by that. Yeah. You know, when I was doing my pre draft research, you focused on the kid from UCLA, Dorian Thompson yeah, Robinson, yeah. you know, that's a guy they expressed interest in and, and real good athlete. And they looked at some other quarterbacks that, you know, pretty solid mobility. Tanner McKee was completely off my radar. Not, you know, I knew who he was, what have you, but I just didn't associate him with the Eagles. And uh, it was a little surprise. It was a little surprise, but it, it tells you that Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman were trying to find a quarterback they liked and not just a, a, a type. And that's what's important. You know, the player is more important than the exact skill set because do you want a guy that's got good mobility but can't throw the football, isn't smart, all those things, or do you want a guy that has the overall package? And, and Nick Sirianni's offense has worked, as you're pointing out, with Phillip Rivers, right? Now, that was in, in Indianapolis and San Diego, but he's been able to have success with this offense in other places. And, 
in other ways. So Tanner McKee did a lot of ran a lot of RPOs at Stanford, so he'll he'll be used to that part of the game. Uh, he's an accurate passer, makes good decisions, and you know I can see where where the Eagles liked him. Uh, it is funny going back and and thinking about Nick Foles. Nick Foles played on a bad Arizona team and would take a beating. It would stand in the pocket and throw. He had one receiver that was good. So he'd wait for that one dude to get open. He'd throw in the ball. <laughs> and he just took a beating and proved how tough he was. So I started watching Stanford. And, you know, you, you watch uh, a game against USC. Well, Tanner McKee's got a clean pocket. He's throwing a ball, doing some nice things. Then you put on the Washington game. He was sacked three of the first five plays, I think it was, and just took a beating all game long. But he stood, sat there in the pocket. And he was throwing the ball to number 81. I don't know who that kid is. He's throwing a ball to him left and right and making some nice plays. And I'm having flashbacks to watching Nick Foles on a crappy Pac-12 team, get, you know, getting his butt kicked, but still showing toughness, standing there in the pocket and making those throws. So uh, different coaching staff, whatever else. You know, you got Howie's who's around from the old days. But it's hard not to have a few Nick Foles flashbacks watching that situation. Yeah, I went there yesterday, too, uh, the comparison between Wentz, Foles, and Hertz and Tanner McKee. Uh, I'm not going as far as he's coming off the bench to win the Super Bowl, but there is a comparison to be made between <laughs> what used to be and what is uh, for the Eagles coming up this year. All right, last one for me, Tommy. Joseph Nagata, free agent, undrafted guy they signed from Clemson. Will he be replacing Quez Watkins as the number three wide receiver? Zach Pascal as the number four wide receiver because the kid's got size and maybe they asked him to become the quote-unquote blocking wide receiver. Does he replace Greg Ward as a practice squad Philadelphia Eagle or does he replace the guy who's shagging balls down on uh, some <laughs> golf course in South Carolina and Hilton Head uh, out there shagging balls? What do you think Joseph Nagata does for the Philadelphia Eagles and or anyone else as an undrafted free agent? He's not going to be taking Quez Watkins' job unless Quez just completely melts down on us. Uh, but yeah, you guys, six foot three, two hundred seventeen pounds. He he ran pretty well. He jumped thirty four and a half inches, so he's got speed. He's got some explosion. He just doesn't have great body control, and that's a critical factor for wide receivers. <clears throat> that allows you to make cuts, get open, get separation. He doesn't get a lot of separation from corners. Now. The upside of that is he's 6'3", 217, and can go up and get the football. You don't have to, to have a lot of separation. If you're a big physical receiver, you can kind of body up on the corner and make those catches. He's got good hands. So I think he has a legitimate shot to make the roster. Uh, I would not say that he is likely to make the roster. and I, I don't see him making much of an impact this year. He wasn't a volume receiver at Clemson. I think he caught 80 career passes. So this is not a guy that's an All-American and put up all kinds of crazy numbers. Yeah, he played at Clemson when they didn't have a good quarterback situation. That affected him, and uh, he, he finished the season well when they, they played a, a different guy, and then he obviously played well in uh, the, uh, I guess it was the East-West Shrine game, I think. And so the, the physical ability is there. He just needs some work, but he, he's a, a good UDFA for the Eagles to bring in and develop, and I like his size, and a guy he can learn from is A.J. Brown, a big physical receiver yeah. who knows how to use his tools and take advantage of that size. So, By the way, Tommy, I missed yeah. on DJ. Help me out, Jody. How do you say his last DJ name? DJ Uyunglele. Yeah. Man, I thought he was going to be good. Same here. Man. <laughs> Dabo Sweeney missed on him. Yeah. He was uh, in the ACC championship. They had him drop back, and the first pass bounced to the receiver in the flat. 
and they benched him the next series and you, you just could tell the kid had just zero confidence. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see. He's he transferred. Where did he transfer to? I yeah, he transferred. Where did he go? Oregon State. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, I forgot to ask. Who you got? Zetner, Ty Zetner, or Aaron Sipos? I'm gonna go with Zetner. I mean, let's go with the, let's go with the kid. Sipos <laughs> has has killed the team two years in a row in the playoffs. So let's let's give the uh, let's give the kid a chance. Yeah. Tommy, great stuff. We appreciate it. Whenever you jump into the mix again, check out his website, Eagles Blitz, I-G-G-L-E-S, Blitz.com. Lots of stuff about the draft there if you want to go back and check it out. Thanks for sharing with us today here, bud. Fun to talk to you guys. Thanks, you got Tom. Uh, we'll come back. Johnny Mac, Jody Mac. Yeah, DJ Uwe. Oh, I met. Oh, I thought I he was going to be unbelievable. I said he would be the number one pick in the draft. Not this up, this past year. But for next year, 2024, yeah. Adam, Adam pegged to be the number you know, one pick in the draft in the 2024 Tommy, draft. Tommy's right, man. Confidence, um, it, it is amazing. When you when you lose your confidence, and uh, it, there's a guy, he might even turn it around at Oregon State. Um, he's got so much talent, and he just lost it. Uh who knows? Well, we talked about Spencer Rattler all the time. Same same type of thing. Yeah, you see, know, but I never liked said, Rattler. Uh, I thought, but a lot Rattler, of people had him he at was the top of the draft. All hype, all media. I I, I just did, never saw it, so I was not yeah. surprised. As well, I'm with fact, you. I'd like. I, I'm taking that one in the win column because some people thought he was going to be number one pick in the draft, but not for me. Oh, I had DJ Uwe Younglele as the yeah. number one. I was concerned draft. about learning his name. I'm like, oh, I got to learn this name. Nope. Uh, I, I, I learned it. Not that Not I'll yet. be using it all that much. Those Oregon State uh, highlights I'll be doing on CBS Sports Radio at 1 o'clock in the morning. I hope that's the case because, uh, yeah, he was – the game he played against Notre Dame uh, as a freshman for Clemson when Lawrence went down, it was like, Trevor who? This kid's just as good. And then, yeah, just no progress to his game whatsoever. All right, Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, come back. I'm going to make the argument for Patrick Queen. I, it, this is right up Howie's alley. Another team showing their hand. Jump into the lurch. Take advantage. I know it flies in the face of general eagle ways of doing things and the value that they put on positions. But if you could get him uh, during this off say, uh, next couple of weeks and the price I think it's going to cost, we'll talk about Patrick Queen of the Ravens potentially coming to the Eagles as a linebacker here next on Birds 365. <clears throat> Imaginations run wild, and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore, all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind, and get lost in the woods.
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We got 507 of you streamed in right now. Come on, we haven't asked in a while. Hit the like button. We don't ask for favors altogether too often, <laughs> and we try and give you two hours of ego conversation each and every single day. The least you could do is hit the like button. Uh, so uh, feel free to like, share, and subscribe. Let's see if you like this potential trade, John McMullen. Um, I'm asking you, Mr. Amateur General Manager, I'm not asking you to give me what you think the Eagles will do, okay? Because those are different, and you say that from time to time. No, I'm telling you what I think the Eagles will do. I'm asking you to put that aside. Don't put yourself in Howie Roseman's shoes. Just your evaluation as a amateur general manager, uh, make-believe general manager. I do it all the time, so I'm going to ask you to do it too. Patrick Queen available. The Ravens can't afford to pay a second linebacker $12 million since they're already paying uh, Roquan Smith that kind of money. They traded for him. They love him. They wanted to keep him. They gave him a mega deal. So it basically eliminates Queen from uh, the the 50-year option because it would elevate all the way to $12 million, which, by the way, all those 50-year options, people just, oh, they pick up the 50-year option. The fifth-year option goes up big time from what they were making prior to because those first four years, you can do the signing bonus thing. You can bring the salary down. Uh, you can, uh, like, uh, Queen this year, it's going to cost $2 bucks, like 2.2 or somewhere thereabouts uh, because it's all in the signing bonus first. So then you get hit with that fifth-year option. Oh, shoot, that's all upfront money. Uh, that's a huge cap hit. So the Ravens are going, we're not going to be able to take that cap hit. Now they can negotiate with them, um, but they don't want to just put that on the, the books and then say, we'll go back and negotiate and extend. Sometimes you can do that. Sometimes you don't get it done. And then you're sitting there with that ungodly 50-year number. I, I get all that to say, I get why the Ravens didn't pick it up. Doesn't mean they're definitely moving on from him, but it indicates that's the case. He's a really good player. 
He played every single snap for the. He started every single game since he was a rookie. Came in as a rookie, started game one, has started every single game for the Ravens ever since. They found themselves in this cap situation because they, like the Eagles, had to give the Lamar uh, contract to them. So they, they're looking at their future cap numbers. I think he's a superior linebacker. And if he does hit the open market, I would be willing to trade for him. Um, because he's a pretty damn good player, and, and uh, I don't think they, they've got him locked in for this next upcoming year. I don't think you're going to get him on the cheap. Here's what I would offer. Tell me if you would do this if uh, if I were the Ravens and uh, willing to do this deal. Would you take it uh, if you were the general manager of the Eagles? I need a second-round pick in return, but I'd be willing to give you a fourth-round pick back. So it wouldn't be a two, it would be the number of picks moving up from a two, dropping down from a four. Because next year the Eagles have two second-round picks. They've got their own in the Saints. The Ravens would probably ask for the better of the two, which we're banking on being the Saints because the Eagles are going to have a better record. So you got to give up the Saints pick as a two, but you get a fourth back in exchange because the Eagles have two twos, a three, like five four or five fifth-round picks to all those compensatory picks, which we believe they're going to get but don't know they're going to get yet, so you can't even trade them. So you can only trade a pick that you have, and they have the Saints number two. They don't have a fourth-round pick. Would you do a two for a four and Patrick Queen if you were putting together a football team for 2023? Boy, this is hard for me because I'm so ingrained on, on, on what the Eagles do. So I'm going to do both. Uh, and I'm going to say the Eagles, not in a million years. Um, now, would I do it? Um, I would think about it, but I'd start at a three. Like, where, where, where you, you think? Yeah, see, they don't, they don't have a three to give up. Uh, well, I'm just talking to general as an amateur general manager. Well, and amateur Eagles, general manager while using actual facts oh. and figures. Well, actual, yeah, but, but that's difficult for me. The Eagles, no. No, they're not doing zero. I mean, zero chance. Uh, hold on. You're telling me you're incapable of uh, separating what John McMullen would do and what the Eagles, judging what the well, Eagles I got are- my own team. I'm going my own team and my own team. If I had a third round pick, I'd start thinking about it at a third round pick. You and I dipper on, um, you know, he was really bad his rookie year. And he, he started turning a corner last year. He played a lot better. He wasn't great in the second year either. Um, I was looking up his PFF numbers, um, which isn't the be-all, end-all. But, you know, as I say, when when they say you're playing well, you're playing well. When they say you're playing poorly, they're, you're playing poorly. He was 82 of 83 as a rookie. He had one of the lowest grades I've ever seen. Um, any player any position. Um, he was not good as a rookie, not good as a, a, a second year player was 71 of 86. And last year it kind of turned a corner. He's well above average. Maybe he was starting to get it. I haven't watched every single snap of the Ravens, obviously, sure, bye. but he looks like he's starting to get it. He, obviously he's got physical skill. And that's why I say I'd start thinking about it, but here's the thing. If I'm Baltimore, like, why am I giving up on the guy? Yeah, you didn't pick up the fifth-year option. That's about 2024, as you mentioned. In 2023, it only costs 2.2 to 
2.27. You could do that. You know, play it out. Let him play the year. Um, so I wouldn't even put him on the market if I'm Baltimore. But if I if, if they do put him on the market, um, and then maybe we've seen it this year. That was a little theme. I brought that up a couple of weeks ago. There was a bunch of guys who got their fifth-year option declined. Caleb McGarry in Atlanta got it declined, and they re-signed him because he played well in the fourth year, and he started improving. Uh, Josh Jacobs played great. They put the franchise tag on him after declining. Uh, Bradbury uh, had a bad start to his career, started playing better last year. Uh, they they didn't they turned down the option. They re-signed him. Um, so that's how I would go about it from Baltimore. I'd say, hey, man, he's starting to go in the right direction. If he plays well again, then you start talking about, you know, what what can we do? I don't see there's any urgency for them to trade him, but I can't give up a second round pick for. I, yeah, but you're getting back a fourth. Yeah, it's not right. a second. It's a second, but getting a fourth back in return. You're getting you. Queen and a fourth, but you got to give up a second round pick. So it's the difference between a second and a fourth for a guy like Patrick Queen, who, as you just noted, really took a step forward last year. If I'm the Eagles, I'd do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Well, from the Eagles, part, like I said, hey, they're not paying them 2.26. Forget about, uh, you know, I mean, they just, they don't give a crap about that position. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, from their standpoint, no, they're they're not. And 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 by the way, I don't know why Baltimore would trade him at this point. Because the, the uh, value. Yeah, none of us know that, but yeah. we thought that, oh, wow. Detroit drafted a running back at number 12. Maybe they trade DeAndre Swift. 24 hours later, they traded DeAndre Swift. And that's a good point. I have to look at Baltimore. I I, 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 I have to look at Baltimore's draft. Um, oh, they took the kid from uh, Clemson. Is going to be his replacement. The guy I was hoping the Eagles had some interest in. Again, like we've been, just been discussing, hoping against hope, swimming upstream, because the Eagles have this overall stance of, uh, yeah, linebackers. Do we really need to even put linebackers on the field? Yes, I still think it's necessary to have linebackers on the field, but they took one of the best linebackers in the draft from Clemson. So, uh, yeah, I think they've already kind of moved on. Yeah, that changes it. That, that that might change things a little bit from their perspective. Um, um, yeah, but from the, from the Eagles, I mean, it's hard for me to, to situate those two. Well, they took Simpson in the third round. Yeah, I don't know. Early third. He should have been a second-round pick. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're planning on moving on from him, so they might go that direction say, let's get something for him if they can get something. But, boy, I'd be more in the day three realm. If they're starting to get desperate, I, that, that even makes it worse from the – the, the two to a four, I'd be like, I'll start with a four and see what that goes. Cause you already got his heir apparent. You're moving on. Would you take a four? That's where I'd go. I try to, I try to Howie Motty, Ozzie Ford, Brad Holmes, them, uh, uh, Ryan pulls them. Uh, but Baltimore's probably too smart for that, but give it right. a shot. I think I, I, I'm trying to make a legitimate trade here. I'm trying to work within the frame, uh, the frame that the Eagles have, and what I would do, they don't have a fourth-round pick. You can't offer a fourth-round pick because you don't have a fourth-round pick. So the Eagles have a third-round pick 
they don't have a third round pick either because that's a potential compensatory tip pick. So you either have to start with a fifth, which isn't going to get it done, or you could start with a second, but say, listen, we got to get something on the backslide. Yeah, we're, we're not giving you a second for the player, but we'll give you a second if you give us a fourth in exchange. So you're not really giving up a second. You're giving up the difference between a second and a fourth. And I think that's doable for a guy. You bring him in here, Dean and Queen, as your linebackers this season, all of a sudden there isn't a drop-off from Edwards and White if you've got uh, Dean and Queen. There's a drop-off, but uh, they they have bigger names because they were bigger stars in college. But, I mean, there's a drop-off. Um, so then how bad is the drop-off as of right now? Oh, the drop-off is disastrous. I don't, I don't, I don't like it, but you know, like TJ was the sixth best softball linebacker football, but again, he's because he's undrafted for whatever reason, nobody believes it. Um, uh, I mean, they don't value the position, so they're not, you know, I, I see what you're doing. You're trying to get something back to a sec. They're not even discussing a second round pick. I mean, for a linebacker. I mean, they wouldn't even think about a linebacker in the draft of the third round. They took they took Nicobe Dean because he dropped in their lap. They took Davion Taylor way at the end of the third round. Um, I don't know who who you got to go back to. Quentin Caver. I don't know. There's probably Michael Kendricks. Michael Kendricks, uh, different era. Uh, good player too, by the way. Um, but this group, this current group. I mean, they they. they, they They'd rather, they'd rather get along with Nicholas Morrow. I don't necessarily agree with them, but. All right, I, but you have to, John, you got to admit, at least in their minds, they have to believe Nicol, Nicholas Morrow is going to be able to reach a level. They went out and got Kaiser White, paid him, what, $5 million? Which is not that much less than Edwards got to go to uh, Chicago. So they, they, they did admit that we need to have competent linebackers. Edwards was, of course, on his rookie deal, so he was still cheap. But they did go free agent, and they did bring in Kaiser White, and they paid him starter money. Not star starter money, but starter money. So they have invested in the linebacker position. You can't compare signing Nicholas Morrow to signing Kaiser White, can you? Uh, no. Um, I got to look at... Uh... Kaiser, because I, I, you know, his, he had incentives. Um, so I think they, they had the safety net on him. Um, I forget what it was. Uh, you know, he ended up 3 million. So he ended up at 3 million. Um, not a lot. Okay. I thought, I thought um, it was more than that. Yeah. Um, still a lot more than, you know, Moro's at 1.1 with zero guaranteed. I mean, it's still a significant uptick. Um, 2.2 is not bad. They, you know, that that part of it's not that much of an issue. But to give up compensation back, I, I just, you know, they'll find well, they, a linebacker. They just, they, they just did that for a running back. And I would suggest they were better suited at running back prior to uh, acquiring DeAndre Swift than they are at linebacker right now. Well, I agree with that, but I also think linebackers even down on their list further as they're proving. 
than running back. They don't care about running backs. And DeAndre, I think, makes 1.77, I think is the number. Um, I'm trying to pull up the free agent linebackers because we're past May 1st now, but for some reason – Spotrack's not working, so yeah. we'll try to get that during the break. Right. But, I, uh, I don't have that list in front of me either, but I've gone up and down that list. Nobody jumps out at me. There, there really isn't a free agent linebacker. Now, guys shake loose, as we're discussing Patrick Queen here today. Teams make other moves that make guys look like they're available via trade. Teams get up against a cap and say, yeah, we've got to be able to free up some money, and they let a, a player go like, Oh, the Giants did last year with James Bradbury. So, yeah, somebody could shake loose. But right now, the free agent list, they, there isn't anybody out there that I would say, yes, the Eagles could get on the cheap because apparently they always go on the cheap with linebacker who could actually be an upgrade to come in here. I don't think that guy's out there on the street. Yeah, maybe not. I, and it might be that it might be all the way down to August thirtieth. That linebacker might be uh, the CJ Gardner Johnson of this year. You know, somebody on the final year of his rookie deal. Some you know late in the process. Um, I, ultimately, I think they're going to find a linebacker somewhere, but I I don't think they're giving up a day two pick even if they get something back on top of it uh, for for said linebacker, whomever it may be. Where did Queen, I know you punched up, where did he rank among off-ball linebackers for PFF this past year? Uh, 31. Significantly improved. Significantly improved. Significantly. Okay. Uh, he, had, he was 82 of 83, 71 of, of 86, and then uh, last year was 31st. So big improvement. Big, and Nicholas Morrow was what as a linebacker uh, this year? Yeah. Not good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not a Nicholas Morrow fan. I think that makes two of us. I'm probably a bigger fan than you are, but neither one of us is a very big fan of Nick Morrow. 60, uh, 64. Uh, Nicholas Morris. Yeah, I'll take the guy. Thirty-one over. I'll tell you what. In twenty twenty, Nicholas Morrow though, career year was twenty-five of eighty-three. Yeah, maybe he's got a little more juice than uh, they get. But but we're we're two years removed from the COVID year of the NFL. I yeah. Well, I'll lean toward the guy who's trending up rather than the guy who's trending. Here's the deal: when you look at somebody like Nicholas Morrow. And this is my problem with the Eagles defense as a whole. So many career years. So he he was 64 of 85 as a rookie, 78 of 91 in 2018, 77 of 90 in 2019, and 64 of 81 last year. 2020, he was 25 of 83. In 2021, he didn't even obviously grade. So, you know, it's it was bad, bad, bad. Okay bad you know i don't like that trend no nor do i all right he's john mcmahon i'm jody mcdonald we are your mac and mac birds 365 guys got our pal dave zingaro from nbc sports philadelphia seen a lot of his handsome face on tv over these last couple of days with the eagles draft we'll get dz on the record with how much the birds improved next they're on birds 365 
Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team in town. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Celebrating the life of your loved one is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. When the matriarch of the Dalloway family died suddenly at 82 years old, Life Celebrations by Givnish stepped in. They will make this the easiest thing that you... It's, it's, I know it's not easy, but it, they will make this as easy as possible. Life Celebrations by Givnish, customizing services as unique as the individual. I, I just know that my dad, who is in charge of everything, was it was not in charge of anything at that point when, when my mom passed. And uh, um, again, just another uh, shout out to this place for, for making it easy. Turning tragedy into a celebration of life, no matter how hard, is what we do at Life Celebrations by Givnish. Life Celebrations by Givnish. Customizing services as unique as the individual. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You got your Mac and Mac guys here on Bird 365. We are joined by Dave Zingaro from NBC Sports Philly, who, like McMullen, was working like a dog the last couple of days. What did you do with yourself yesterday, Dave? Yesterday? Uh, I worked yesterday. Sunday was a, uh, a stay inside, watch TV. It was gross outside, so I just... Yeah, it was. It was gross all... Man, what was that? The one day. Just... Yeah, and oh, every time we walked to that auditorium, we were standing drenched down there. Oh. So Sunday was a good day to just like relax a little bit, not leave the house. A little decompression day. Not yeah. not on top of the undrafted free agents. Uh, that's always an exciting part of, uh, uh, of the process. But Dave, are you the one who gave Howie Roseman a bad grade? Because I, I got a tough time. I was looking. I was trying to uncover every rock. It was pretty impressive. I got to give him credit. 
Yeah, I mean, you can nitpick here and there with some of the stuff they did, but like overall, it's just, I really, and it's not even about the players. It's to me, it's about the approach. Yeah, exactly. It's a um, process. Pro like, I can't grade players. I mean, exactly. But the decisions make sense. That's how I describe yeah, it. Yeah, the decisions make sense. And look, like once you get to day three, who the heck knows, right? Yeah. But yeah. Um, the early days, well, heck, even day three, getting Keely Ringo is like, it, it. that's rare for him to do that, right? To trade a future pick like that. But that's a player who we thought was going to go a lot higher than that. And, and the value lined up. And that's the thing, like all these Georgia players, he got them later than people expected them to go. Yeah. All yeah. three of them. Yeah. Here's one of my questions, and I know we don't know the answer yet, Dave, so I'm going to ask you to speculate because uh, I've asked how many different people on the show here over the last couple of weeks. Could you pick Sean Desai out of a six-pack? If you <laughs> were given a six-pack of pictures, you're pretty sure you could uh, say, yes, that's the Eagles defensive coordinator because – we haven't heard from him yet. Uh, we know that he's the defensive coordinator. They've announced he's a defensive coordinator, but we just haven't had a chance to hear from the Eagles' new defense coordinator. So we don't know exactly how the Eagles are going to use their defense and or even look at the players within their defense. But if it is similar to last year, a guy like N'Kobe Dean couldn't get on the field. Kaiser White and Edwards were just playing too well, and Jonathan Gannon's attitude was, why should I take them off the field? Why should I punish them? Because we're up by more than two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And they didn't give much run to their backups last year, like in the Kobe Dean. Do you think it'll be the same again this year? Because they do have a couple of, like a Kaylee Ringo. Where the hell is he going to play? If you've got uh, two starting quarterbacks who are Pro Bowl level players, how the hell is Kaylee Ringo ever going to get on the field? Or will they actually try and develop a first-year player this year? as compared to last year? Well, I mean, he's the one – it depends, right? Like, it, if we're talking defense, he's the guy that – yeah, I mean, he's probably not going to be on the field if if they're healthy. Where is he going to play? I mean, they, they have Bradbury, Slay, and Avante Maddox out there. So, um, we'll see. I mean, obviously, last year, health was amazing. And it's, it's probably unrealistic to think they're going to be that healthy again across the board next year. So – uh, that, that third corner spot is pretty important. And it was a spot manned by Zach McPherson last year. Uh, I'm curious to see where they use Zach this year because I, I thought it was going to be him and Greedy uh, Williams fighting for that third outside corner job. But now you have to think, okay, well, you just drafted. I know he's a technically a fourth-round pick, but a really talented player you think is worth developing. Um, so I wonder how that all shakes out. Uh Look, I move him inside, Dave. I've been talking about Pearson. Yeah, I, I, I've been thinking corner. about that. I think he has yeah. that skill set, uh, yeah. and he, he's probably a little. He doesn't have the length necessarily that you'd like outside. So I could see that. Um, it depends, I guess, what they think of Josiah Scott. What Sean Desai thinks of him, but um, yeah, I, it's all of a sudden like they have some decent depth at corner. So I'm curious to see how it shakes out. As far as like Keely Ringo playing. I, I think it's dependent on health and I think it's dependent on circumstance because if they end up in some blowouts, then yeah, they'll probably take Slay out. They'll probably take Bradbury out, but um, barring that and, and if they stay healthy, there's probably not a way for him to play early. 
Um, Jalen Carter, on the other hand, I expect him to play a lot. Now, Nolan Smith, uh, probably the fourth man in sort of that edge rotation. They like to come at you in waves. Uh, not so much with him. But those third rounders, I think Tyler Steen and Sidney Brown got a chance to play early and, and, and play a lot. Obviously, offensive line, it comes down to can you win the starting job. That's not a rotational position, but – um, the one thing I look at in this draft and say, they didn't do anything at all ball linebacker. And I start to think to myself, Dave, well, maybe they're going to play big nickel this year. Sean decides kind of known for, at least in Chicago was known for it. Um, they called, you know, Sidney Brown, a red star player. They made a big deal of that. That's the first time I've heard that terminology. I don't know about you, but, um, 10 players on the board per year, how he said, you know, intangibles. And they have Terrell Edmonds, who's sort of that box safety. And you start thinking, well, Nicholas Morrow or Terrell Edmonds. Now, there's a lot of time in talent gathering season. They might pick up a real linebacker at some point. Um, what do you think? Big nickel. Yeah, I think, I mean, if, if you're asking me, do I want Nicholas Morrow on the field? <laughs> probably not um i i, I do well, think that they're not killing done. them today yeah i way. think there's a really good chance they're not done at linebacker yeah um that that seems to me like you know last year we're looking at this team and thinking man they need a safety they need a safety and then they go out and they trade for cj right before the season i could see that being the, the same deal with linebacker though i think they can go find somebody um and i i think they'd probably be trying to fill the the weak side spot i think nicobe's going to be their middle linebacker, and I think he's going to be the guy who stays on the field when they're in five one five. Um, I think that just makes sense uh, for him. So I, I think that there are going to be a lot of packages where you just don't need a ton of linebackers, but it's a tough sell for me, even if you're minimizing that position. They go into a season with Nicholas Morrow, N'Kobe Dean, Christian Ellis and Sean Bradley, Davion Taylor, like that. Mm. I don't think that's that's good enough for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. So I, I think that there's a, a really good chance they they still add at that spot. Can I ask a terminology question? Sure. Big nickel. Nickel means an extra defensive back on the field, right? Yeah. Everybody in the league is basically a nickel on every single play. Now, there's no such thing as a nickel anymore. So, and then they, if it's not a DB, you call it a dime. But now we're calling an extra safety on the field, big nickel. Can well, you have a safety. Explain that to me. I, I, the, this I, is coming I, I, out I, going over my head. Maybe I'm too old school yeah. and I don't get it. But how it's, is it's, big nickel the addition of another safety in the lineup? It's a descriptor. It's it's you're you have a safety by trade playing linebacker. So while it Wouldn't is that dime, be a small nickel rather than a big nickel if you're bringing a safety in. No, well you're you're basically saying like it's uh like you think of a, a nickel corner, right? Yeah. You think of Avante, you think of like a Josiah Scott. Now well, you have... nickel is usually a smaller guy as a D back. So the uh, the extra linebacker, the extra person you're putting on the field is a bigger defensive back as compared to your smaller nickel. That's what makes them big. 
Well, it, I, I think you're delving too deep. It's just what a descriptor. I'm just trying to understand. I'm, I'm, I'm a man of the people, and not yeah. everybody knows as much football as you do. Guys. I mean, technically, and it's confusing me. So I'm trying to help out those of us who are both old school and not as uh, terminology. Technically, by by what you're thinking, it would be a dime because you would have two extra defensive backs on the right. field. Um, but they'd use it to describe the defense more than anything else. And they you come down to big nickel. It's sort of like, well, why do Dave mention or or I mention one of us, Red Star, uh, Sidney Brown, the Eagles called him a Red Star. Well, why do they call him a Red Star? Because they decided to call him a Red Star player. Uh, and they and they describe they use that descriptor for specific passion players as they described. Um, but yeah, I think you're getting too deep in the weeds, but that's what they describe big nickel. Am I right, Dave? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, when you say they, are they the Eagles or are they everybody? No, they're not the only ones. Yeah, uh, it's it's, uh, it's a term that's pretty prevalent. Yeah, pretty right prevalent there. around the NFL these days. But let's move on to the offensive side. Let's get away from big nickel. Uh, Tyler Steen. Uh, I thought that was an interesting pick. Uh, for a couple reasons. One, obviously, he played all tackle in, at the college level, um, starting out at Bandy, finishing in Alabama, um, played some right tackle, played some left tackle. Um, but the Eagles announced him as a guard. It's pretty clear they want to move him inside as a guard. You know the history of this team, and you're very close to uh, Brandon Brooks. You guys were in Houston together. They like those big guys inside a guard. And and Isaac is, you know, he was a big guy. And Cam Jurgens, I don't know. I see the listings. They don't look the same to me, Dave, in a locker room. Cam Jurgens, Isaac Sayamalo. Am I reading too much into that they want a little bit more size at right guard than maybe Cam Jurgens can offer? Yeah, I don't think that would be like a disqualifier for Cam necessarily. Um, but I think in, in general, yeah, they want more size. They want like tackle size guards, which is tricky because they want athleticism there too. So it, those guys, everyone's like, yeah, just get Jeff Stalin, whoever, but it's like, no, like you can't just, uh, you can't just do that. Cause you need a certain type, uh, of athlete ideally to, to play in this offense. So, um, I think Steen's going to at least have a shot. I, I would still guess that Cam's going to get the first crack at that right guard spot and he's going to have a chance to just run away with it. But, uh, and, and I think having a year in the NFL, having a year in the offense, it certainly gives him a leg up. But I asked Nick Sirianni if Steen was going to have a chance to compete. And he, he said, I don't want to say that, but he, he said, yeah, the best guy's going to play. And we're like, all right, well, that means it's a competition, right? Yeah, and uh, exactly. yeah, it is. Um, so I think Steen will have a chance to compete, but I, I do think, uh, it's Cam's job to lose, and we'll see how that shakes out. Yeah. Oh, well, what do you mean, issue on the offensive line? Stoutland waves his magic wand, and everything works like a charm. I think they uh, they, they they put too much on his plate. I know he's delivered for him, but sometimes I think it's a bit much for him to transform everything into every player. Well, uh, I mean, it's not like they're – I mean, they, they drafted – three straight years in the second round at offensive line. So it's yeah. not like they're, they're giving them undrafted kids and going make something out of this. Yeah. True. Uh, or in but, the, it's day two, I should say. 
Uh, we'll we'll see if, but if we're saying that the uh, Jurgens is more of a guard, is more of a center than a guy who was drafted certainly as a center. So you're going to ask him to positional change. Um, I think that that that's where where you're selected, the round you're selected, kind of gets pretty much lessened if you're going to ask someone to change his position from what they've been playing pretty much their entire life, and they're for the second straight year doing that with a guy to uh, fill out a guard position for him. But that's just me. Um, running back, DeAndre Swift. Uh, love the acquisition. Take advantage of a team that paints itself into a corner. Be able to add talent. Just throw them all in the backfield at the beginning of the season and made the best man win. They're not tremendously committed to any of them contractually or uh, promise-wise. Do you just uh, say we're, we're going to uh, – See, here's my problem. The Eagles don't practice all that much. Uh, they, they they are a team that has proven sometimes less is more. So when exactly does the competition happen? It sure as hell isn't going to happen in one of the three preseason games, cutting back to that and guys playing against second and third teamers in the second half. How do you decide how you should break out the carries for the Eagles running backs this year if you're the coaching staff? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a rotation no matter how it breaks down. I don't think they're going to have one guy. And they didn't have one guy last year, but they kind of had one guy. You know, Miles was, <clears throat> for the most part, the guy, right? And they, they would they would Gainwell was the third down back. Boston would spell him at times, so Miles was the guy. I don't know if they have the guy. I think they'll ride the hot hand a lot this year. And uh, I'm curious to see how it works out because in terms of production, like Rashad Penny is – the best runner of all these guys, but you can't count on based on his history. You just, you can't go into a season thinking we're going to have Rashad Penny for 17 games. He doesn't do that. So uh, I think he'll, if he's healthy, like he's the guy that will run the ball the most, but um, the rest of them kind of all mix and match. I wouldn't be shocked to see DeAndre Swift end up with the most touches by the end of the year, because he's such a good pass catcher. Uh, but I really do think it's going to be a by committee thing. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see if injuries dictate a, a lot of what this rotation ends up being because Penny's had his injury history and, you know, Swift, even though he hasn't had a major one, he's been banged up throughout his career and he, he kind of plays with that style. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think injuries are going to kind of dictate a lot of this too. You know, it is interesting to me and you're right, Dave, but I'm, I'm, I was trying to think if, if, you know, lightning strikes and DeAndre Swift is completely healthy and Rashad Penny is completely healthy, which is a big lightning strike. In in that instance, which one of those guys would get more touches? It's interesting because you say touches. It, it's funny because it's it's that's a tough thing to figure out. The Eagles haven't thrown to their backs. Yeah, they don't. And, and Jalen doesn't dump it off because he takes it himself. That's yep. the thing. It's not yeah. going to be. It's not going to be the checkdowns. It's it, the only time you're going to get it is if you're designing plays that way, whether they're screens or yeah. or wheel routes. Uh, but like they didn't have like DeAndre Swift is such a better pass catcher than anyone they had. Like Miles obviously had that one outlier year as a rookie but he hasn't done much in the receiving game since then. Kenny Gainwell's fine. Like I think he's, uh, he's pretty good out of the backfield, but he's not DeAndre Swift level out of the backfield. So now that they have that weapon, 
Does that change it? I mean, do they try to add more screens? Because they have the offensive line. You think this should be a good screen team, and they just really haven't been. Uh, so I, I think if if they look at Swift and say, well, he has something our other guys haven't had, we need to kind of get this in the offense. That wouldn't shock me, but you're right about Jalen. Like a lot of times the running backs get the ball in passing situations because the quarterback just checks it down to him. A lot of times Jalen's like, I'll just I'll run for the same amount of yards. Uh, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Uh, so if they're both healthy for the entire season, and I'm not even putting myself – that's not going to happen. I'll say <laughs> – I agree. I'm, I'm but, like hemming and hawing about giving this prediction. Was yeah. We just know it's not going to happen. Yeah. I, mean, I think Rashad yeah. Penny is like a, a Pro Bowl running back who isn't on the yeah, field. He is a better – he is a better – he's just – he's an electric runner. He's a great player who yeah. plays eight games a season. So I'll say yeah. Rashad Penny if they're healthy, but I, I think that's a big if. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, uh, staying on the offense, does Zach Pascal need to be replaced? And I'm sure you understand what I mean by that question. He was a type of a wide receiver. Um, the coach loved him, and he really sacrificed and was an outstanding blocker on the outside. When they threw him the ball, as infrequently as they did, he made plays. He caught some big passes for him because everyone suspected, all right, well, he's in there to block. Oh, shoot, he's in the pattern. Oh, shoot, maybe we should cover him. Oh, shoot, Jalen threw him the ball, and he made the catch. Good on you, Zach. Do they have someone who can do what Zach Pascal did? Will they just not have that as part of their offense going forward? Do you need to replace Zach Pascal in this offense? I don't know if it's like you absolutely have to. Uh, I'm curious to see how it shakes out, though, because you still have Quez – Probably as your number three right now. They didn't replace him in the draft. Alamade. Yeah. Yeah. Alamade is interesting. He's a, but he's also not Zach Pascal. He's a no, little guy. He's not going to block. Little no. speedy guy uh, who you could see pushing Quez a little bit for the slot. But uh, and then after that, you have Britton Covey. He's not going to be your, your, uh, your big body blocking guy. They just brought in the, the Clemson kid as an undrafted free agent. Like maybe he has a shot. Uh, you're right. I mean, they don't have it, but I, I look. Zach Pascal did some nice things in this offense. I'm not going to lose sleep at night worrying yeah. about this offense because they don't have Zach Pascal. Yeah, I think it's a nice luxury to have, but you know, uh, you don't have it. It's not going to kill you. Uh, but it's a it's a nice luxury to have to to have a receiver as one of the best blockers in the NFL, and they're probably not going to have that this year. So. Maybe they do have to go about things a little bit differently. Um, day three, Dave, I want to uh, talk to you about uh, the quarterback factory uh, going throwback, bringing the throwback line. I think a lot of people looked at, you know, all right, they brought in Marcus to, to be the backup and he's got, you know, he can run the same offense. And a lot of people made a big deal out of that. They don't want to change the offense. You know, Nick Sirianni loves Phillip Rivers. Uh, he doesn't care. He'll change the offense if he needs to change the offense. Um, this is an old school six foot six pocket pass who can't move. <laughs> the exact opposite of, of Jalen Hurts. Did it surprise you that they went a 180 as a potential developmental quarterback who could be the backup, you know, as soon as 2024? Yeah, it did. It didn't surprise me they drafted a quarterback because 
that's one <laughs> that's one of their things. They're always looking at the quarterbacks. I was surprised about the player. Um, to be honest, I didn't love that pick. Uh, but if they do what they did in day one and day two, you go, all right, to take your quarterback in, in round six, or it is what it is. Uh, I was surprised about it. I think the offense would have to change significantly if they ever oh, get they in would. a situation yeah. where Tanner McKee's the backup and Jalen Hurst has to leave the game. Yeah. It would, yeah. it would, it would be a, you'd have to change. It would be a much different offense, which is doable. I, I don't know, think it's necessarily ideal though. Did you get the sense um, when Gardner was forced to play and Gardner's got some mobility, but they had to change the offense. I, those weeks, I sensed a little juice from Nick and Shane Steichen. Uh, they're like, oh, we got a challenge in essence. You know, I, I sensed they got excited by that. Did you sense that? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was it was a challenge for them because they had to kind of go back to the drawing board a little bit and figure out what's going to work for this quarterback. And, and they have it in the back of their minds, right? Like, it's not like, yeah. oh, man, who the heck is this quarterback yeah, 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 in here? Yeah, yeah. But we've seen that before. I mean, you go back to 17 and obviously different coaching staff but like but that took some time too you know you remember yeah. what it was oh, like yeah. it was like all right we have a different quarterback let's figure out what works so uh no i i think that especially a guy like nick what he loves to do is the game plan like, that's his favorite part of being an offensive coach so when the quarterback changes that becomes a lot more important and uh and shane got excited for it too it wasn't just nick that they, they both did I don't know Brian Johnson well enough to, to know that, but I'm sure he would be excited as a former quarterbacks coach to do the same. All right. I'm going to try this with you, Zangaro. I had trouble with it with John. He just has difficulty divorcing himself from what the Eagles do and the Eagles move and the Eagles think. And it's so ingrained in his thinking. I ask him to give me, well, if you were the general manager, he can't do it. Maybe you can. Howie Roseman is, he quits. He resigns. He moves to Pakistan, whatever. He's no longer the Eagles general Pakistan. manager. They hired Dave Zangaro. And the Chicago Bears call you and say, we'll give you Patrick Queen. Baltimore. He's on the last year of his contract. Ravens. Uh, what did I say? Chicago. Because um, we're, we're always talking Chicago linebackers with uh, TJ Edwards. The Ravens call you, say, Patrick Queen, we drafted a linebacker. We're ready to move on from him. We love the play. We think he's good. Just a $12 million number going forward for a fifth-year option. We couldn't do that with our salary cap being what it is. We're going to make him available to you. We're going to need a second-round pick in exchange, but we'll give you a fourth-round pick back. And I think the Eagles' second-round pick will be borderline a third-round pick. And the Ravens' fourth-round pick is going to be a great one, but it's not going to be as far down as the Eagles. Patrick Queen, last year of a contract, could do the whole rental thing like Swift, too, that if he goes uh, afterwards, you're going to get a comp compensatory pick anyway. A second, but a fourth in Patrick Queen in return. Putting the Eagles in the way Howie Roseman has evaluated, evaluated uh, linebackers. Should the Eagles do that with the linebacker room they have right now? No, it's too rich. Not He's a not, pretty damn good player. Not doing it for a second. Yeah, you're getting a one-year rental for a second-round pick. The fourth round coming back. 
you know, um, the yeah, second I'd, round's too rich. Yeah. I'd counter. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I'm not. Yeah, see, the problem with the counter, and I explained this to John earlier, they don't have a third round pick, they don't have a fourth round pick. So you got to give them a second round pick. You got to drop down to a fifth, and I think the Ravens go, yeah, that's not enough. Yeah, but that's where I get into my, like, Howie's very disciplined. I can't divorce myself from that. He's not going to say, I don't have a third round pick. I don't have a fourth round. So I'm going to give a second round. But he's going to do the exact opposite. He's going to be very disciplined. Well, the Ravens are, would probably ask for a second round pick, period. And then, yeah, that's too rich. Well, what am, what are we going to do to balance the scales? They're going to give you something back in return. You can ask for a third just to drop down from a second to a third. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying think to get about it like what well, the Eagles got CJ last year for what a four? Yeah, four. Yeah, four plus wasn't it two picks? Um, I'd have to look it up. I'd you might be up. right with a seventh. They might have flipped a sure. seventh. Um, but. <laughs> It was really late. Yeah, see, uh, I, think it was, I think it was a fifth pick. and a sixth. I think I'm pretty sure it was two picks, but I don't even think it was a fourth. I think it was a fifth and a sixth. Okay. Yeah, they got they got CJ for essentially uh, nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's what you try to do with a guy on the last year of a deal who's not going to re-sign somewhere. They're trying to get something out of him, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And you know. Obviously worked out to a tremendous degree with with CJ Gardner Johnson. And uh, hey, I like the thought. I think there might be a linebacker out there. So, as Dave mentioned, linebacker might be the position where you have a CJ Gardner Johnson type deal late in camp, or who knows? There might be a post June first cut uh, coming somewhere. But I I don't think they're done at that particular position. So I want to bring it back, Dave, to Howie as a whole. I, boy, he he takes advantage of young general managers. And he, by the way, he does not like to hear this. He does not like when people say, oh, you fleeced, uh, you, you know, not that people say, I saw Kyle Pagan from Crossing Broad at the Super Bowl did it, you know, but they do sort of irreverent stuff. Um, and Howie's like, oh, uh, you know. But boy, he took advantage of Marty Osenfort, uh, not knowing the rules. He took advantage of Brad Holmes, pigeonholing himself. Everybody in the league knew, all right, they spent a 12th, the 12th pick overall on the running back. They signed David Montgomery. They can't keep Swift. Um, he took advantage. I think he took advantage of Ryan Poles. Ryan Poles can't draft Jalen Carter. Can't do it. Can't do it. Does he take advantage of young GMs? from your perspective i think so but i also <laughs> like if there's a reason he doesn't want that out there he yeah wants to be well. able to keep doing business um I, I do think he's changed a little bit like i think he used to really take joy in like winning everything when he was a younger gm uh i don't think he it, it takes as much pride in that maybe as he used to um, because I think he realizes that the more people talk about him fleecing everyone, the harder it's going to be to get deals done. Uh, there were a lot of like specific examples you just gave there, but it's true. Like he, he finds value where other people don't. It's what makes him a good GM. He's like, he's always had this side of it. Um, it's like the evaluation side of it that he needed to work on. And, um, but I, I look back at like his draft and the trades and, everything he did just makes a lot of sense for him. And it's, um, it's impressive that he just 
he sees it and he it really like it, it's such a cliche thing, but like it always feels like he's playing chess and he just has a plan. Whereas like some GMs are fighting for their lives. I <laughs> think that's a big deal. That's a big part of it. Like how he has this job security, he can do. Yeah. Oh, that's a huge. I talk about that all the time. Are just yeah. like you know they're they're just fighting to stay above water, and he doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah. yeah. Do you think maybe Ryan Poles? felt he owed Howie Roseman one and that's why he gave him the pick because he got a fourth round pick for Robert Quinn uh, <laughs> that he kind of owed Howie yeah. once. Uh, By the uh, way, yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you move up one spot for only a fourth round pick, Howie. By the uh, way, yeah. by the way, this is where Jody and I differ. Like I think Howie's good because all decisions make sense. Like Robert Quinn didn't work out. I still think that decision made sense. Mm-hmm didn't work out not everything works out from an about like if Jalen Carter you know is immature and he doesn't turn into the player I think he's going to to um become and I think he's the most talented player in this draft Dave if he doesn't I'm, I'm not going to say the decision was bad because I think the decision was good but not everything good decisions don't guarantee good outcomes but the yeah. more good decisions you make, the more likely you're going to have good outcomes. That's how I sort of grade the draft. Yeah, the I, more swings you get, the more likely you are to hit a ball, right? Um, yeah. It, and, like, you can look at all their draft picks and you can find reasons they won't work out. Jalen oh, Carter. Yeah. Uh, Jalen yeah. Carter, why was he there at nine? Because there's character concerns, legitimate character concerns. Uh, Nolan Smith, well, he's 235 pounds. He's an edge rusher. That's not going to be for everyone. There's a there's a strikeout rate there. Um, Tyler Steen, you're asking him to play a different position than he played in college. Sidney Brown, he's stiff. He's a box safety. Like you go up down the line, there are reasons these picks might not work out. But if two of them do, the upside on all of them is so great. And that, that's what uh, that's where the process comes into play. It's because there, yes, there's risk involved, but you're trying to take some swings and you're, you're trying to, to maximize the output. And the way you do that is by yes, finding some risk and getting players you think have high ceilings. And that's kind of what they did in this draft. Yeah. That's John. And I do separate on this. I, I do put stock into actual results. I don't care how well laid a plan out is how smart it is, how you can verbally defend it. And then you get the results and the results outweigh the plan. John, well, sure. All right. Jordan, let me ask you about plan. that 2020 draft, right? Two swings at the top of that draft. One of them now in Minnesota. The other one just signed a $255 million contract. So right. when we look back at that 2020 draft, how do you oh, view the it? hit? The hit so far outweighs the miss. It's not even close. So that's, well, that's absolutely a thumbs up for Howie and or Jeff Laurie, depending on what you believe. Jeff Laurie uh, was the, the the driving force and Jalen Hurts being drafted. Oh, yeah. yeah well, you, 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 you look at them both. Thing. If you want to put them together, that's one thing. But if you want to analyze them separately, I'm sorry. That's why I say good decisions, plural. The more good decisions you make, the more good outcomes you're going to have. You keep making bad decisions, you might even get a good outcome. Like the kid Chicago picked, who I think they reach for. It might be a good outcome. Darno, right? Yeah. Or not. Uh uh yeah. no, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. right. The kid from Tennessee. 
add Skaronsky there is right down the road. He's safe. If you're going to be safe, be safe. Take the safe pick. Um, but they want with upside and all. It might work. Might be a good outcome. But I think they make consistently bad decisions. And, you know, then you're going to have more bad uh, more bad outcomes. That's why it's plural. You're always going to miss, as you mentioned, the, the Jalen Rager. Nobody stops talking about Jalen Rager. And, and they gave the second round pick $255 million. And they were glad to hand it over. Uh, who cares about Jalen Rager at this point? Um, and, and by the way, revisionist history, if you take Jefferson, they should have taken Jefferson. Would have been a great player here because he's a great player. But they didn't have a high-volume passer at the time. He wouldn't be putting up this historic numbers if he was taken here. Who knows how all this stuff shakes out, but I'm with you. Uh, D Zangaro, NBCS, follow Dave on Twitter. Tr- tremendous job covering the draft. By the way, I got to send everybody to Dave's Twitter feed right now. He did a who wore it better. James <laughs> Harden walking in to game one in Boston. What a game for James Harden. And Dave with his cookie monster outfit. Uh, I assume that was Halloween. I assume it wasn't, uh, you know, yeah, Saturday it was, uh, night. It'd <laughs> be really weird if it was just like a yeah, Saturday, Saturday night. night. It was yesterday. You sitting around Sunday was your relaxed day. You threw on the cookie monster <laughs> yeah. outfit. Yeah. We yeah. get it, Dave. Who uh, wore Dave it better? Dave, great stuff. Appreciate whenever you come aboard. Thanks much. Uh, we'll be punching you up again uh, before the Eagles get to uh, – are they actually going to have a camp this year? Are we sure? Are they going to meet before the opening day of camp? Yeah, Are they yeah. at least going to have a cookout? They're going to uh, have know. rookie camp on Friday tentatively, and, uh, you know, they're going to have some OTAs. Very few, but some we'll, OTAs. We'll see exactly how organized those are. Uh, Dave, great stuff. Thank you very much. We'll be in touch. Thanks for jumping in today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dave Zingaro, NBC Sports, Philadelphia here with us on Birds 365. All right, quickie timeout. Come back. Going to put a bow in the show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. 
First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Garrow for getting in with us today and giving us uh, Eagle perspective. When is the first official Eagle gathering rookie mini camp is, and they'll have uh, Friday. Next, guys. It, um, it, it gets underway on Friday already. Yeah. Um, tentatively, but uh, schedule uh, early schedule Friday for rookie camp. And then uh, OTAs start, uh, May 8th, I'd have to double check that, but uh, um, yeah, they have very few OTAs, obviously, and and they, along with uh, Cincinnati, are the only two teams um, who are not having mandatory minicamps, uh, and the Eagles haven't had a mandatory minicamp since um, Nick Sirianni got here. Now, the OTAs are later, May 30th, I take it back. May 30th, June 1st, June 2nd, uh, June 5th and 6th, and June 8th. Yeah, so we got almost a full month before they actually have an OTA. And I did have Rick Saratella on WIP with me last night. He gave me a couple of guys that the Eagles are bringing in on a tryout basis, a couple of running backs. Yeah, they always bring in about 20 tryout guys. Um, now, do those guys stick around for a rookie minicamp, or they, they work them out, and uh, if they are at camp, do they have to be under contract? Yeah. Um, yeah, they have to be signed. Yep, they have 90-man off-season roster, so I uh, can't go above it. Uh, usually one at the most two of the rookie tryout guys. Which, by the way, did you see? Sorry to interrupt. Uh, my apologies. The Rams signed 24 undrafted. Their roster was so small. Yeah. They had room to sign 24 yeah. undrafted free agents. How the hell? Yeah. Well, it's a numbers game. If you don't have a lot of picks, and sometimes other, sometimes you need big undrafted classes. Sometimes you need very small ones. So, um, yeah. Um, 20 you need players, you need players. And most are somewhere in the <clears throat> six to twelve range. Most teams in the NFL fall that. Twenty-four. That's probably like double the next closest one in the National Football League. That jumped out at me. And hey, more power to the Rams if they find a couple of diamonds in the rough. All right. Uh, tomorrow we got our usual Wednesday contributor, Mike Gill, and also 
Uh, Jimmy Kempsey going to join us tomorrow, so we got a good one planned for tomorrow. I'm going to be back here, Johnny Mac. You in? Uh, I'm in. Let's do it. Mac and Mac back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.